You're listening to the Welcome to Babylon podcast, a discussion about living and loving like Jesus in the midst of a post-Christian culture. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Welcome to Babylon podcast. I'm your host, Keith Caps, here with Phil Kramer, lead pastor of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. How's it going, Phil? Well, Keith, I'm uh, debating this week if I'm going to have a McRib sandwich because it is the McRib farewell tour, as you know. Oh, man. Uh, I think I had a McRib one time, uh, first and last. (laughs) (laughs) I heard a guy the other day, he said, why would I want to eat something that tastes like earlobe meat? Oh, well, I don't know what earlobe meat <laughs> tastes like, uh, but uh, I would imagine that it could probably be pretty close. Hey, so, with enough barbecue sauce, anything is edible as far as I'm concerned. That's true. Well, it doesn't help that I actually worked at McDonald's for a summer. Oh, no. And um, had the privilege of making the McRib sandwiches. Oh. Um, and I seen um, seen its natural habitat, Oof. let's say. And so, yeah, I'm not, not a fan and uh, not... Not actually uh, sad that it's going away. Oh, so. man. All right. Well. <laughs> hey, but who's going to retire first, the McRib or Tom Brady? Well, we know McRib is on his farewell tour, but it may come back. I mean, you know, so Tom Brady, he's never going to go away. That, that's true. Uh, speaking of Tom, man, he pulled it out at the end this weekend. Um, unfortunately for my Titans, um, not so much. So, Well, on any given week, man, it's either tears or smiles in the NFL. That's true. That's true. Hey, well, so excited to be back on the podcast today. And as we get closer to wrapping this series up um, on uh, Welcome to Babylon. So we're going to um, have this episode and then one more um, next week as we... Um, have a question and answer session, right? Is that, is that right? That's right. Yep. This Sunday, uh, those who are familiar with what we do at CrossGate over the last few years is once or twice a year, we'll, we'll close a series, especially a series where we're hitting on a lot of contemporary topics, such as Welcome to Babylon, uh, with a question and answer. And it's pretty cool, really, because anybody can ask almost any question about anything we've talked about in the series via the Slido app. And so then uh, we're on the stage, and during the sermon time, we do our absolute best to field those questions, and uh, hopefully no one can stump the pastor. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking of questions and answers, let's go ahead and dive right into this past week's sermon. Um, great message on Daniel chapter 9 and some Bible Bible prophecy. Um, so yeah, one of my favorite things, always very intriguing and interesting, uh, especially when we talk about Daniel and the end time. So Phil, you opened up by talking about the context for Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter nine. And you pointed out that Daniel received that prophecy when he was in an intimate relationship with God. Um, so why is a relationship with God through scripture, prayer, and love so important for understanding the prophecies in the Bible? Well, first of all, Keith, and you you used the word a moment ago, and I know you used it in the best way possible, but you said prophecy was very interesting. And the challenge is, is the difference between viewing prophecy as as interesting and transformational, Mm. right? And I I will be honest, I feel like a lot of people have approached prophecy over the years because they find it very interesting, more in a novel kind of way. It's just, wow, look at all this, it's kind of cool, you know, very, it it just, it, it piques my interest, uh, but but God intended for the message to Daniel and through us from Daniel to be a transformational kind of thing. But as we know, life transformation only happens in the context of prayer, humility, repentance, Scripture. 
So Daniel was, in many ways, Daniel was someone who could be trusted with this, with this information. Now, that's not to say that, that God will reveal to us anything personally above and beyond what the Scripture says about the end times and that type of thing, but I, I don't think we can truly appreciate the transformational value of, of the prophetic message in the Scripture unless our hearts are right, mm. just like yeah. Daniel's was. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that clarification. Um, and absolutely, we that all uh, comes from a relationship with God, and um, we want that transformation uh, that comes along with that. So, um, well, we know that, you know, you mentioned that Daniel was in a relationship with God through the scriptures, and we know that the Bible is our source of truth and revelation. But when it comes to Bible prophecy, right, there, there's often some interpretation involved there. So you mentioned in the sermon that there's two predominant schools of thought when it comes to interpreting end times prophecy. Um, so what would you say is the biggest difference between a dispensational and a covenantal view that you mentioned? Wow. Well, how much time do you have? Okay, so in a nutshell, I would simply go back to what we said in the message as a starting point. A huge difference is how they view the role of national ethnic Israel in the overall scheme of what God has planned uh, from now until till the end when he wraps everything up in eternity. Uh, and of course, the, the dispensational perspective uh, places a huge emphasis on uh, national ethnic Israel. Uh, for example, 1948, uh, the reconstitution of national Israel in Jerusalem and in the surrounding regions was massive for a dispensational worldview. Uh, and of course, one of the, I mean, well, anyway, we, we could go on and on about that, but clearly, you know, what's going on in Israel is national. And sometimes America ha, and, and American foreign policy has been shaped by dispensational worldview and theology, whether, whether some of the leaders realized it or not, right? So huge emphasis on Israel, uh, and, and certainly a dispensationalist would, would, would have, you know, loud and proud support for national Israel at all times. Uh, a, a covenantal theologian uh, certainly would see the church as God's main effort. Uh, you know, the, the classical dispensational view says that uh, it described the church age, meaning from basically the ascension of Jesus Christ until the secret rapture of the church, the, pre, the premillennial, uh, pre-tribulational rapture of the church as kind of a, a parenthesis. That, that was the classic language. Most dispensationalists now have moved away from describing the church age as a parenthesis because it, it seems to so minimize the church age. On the other hand, you know, a covenantal view would say, well, actually, if anything, the time from Moses until the time of Jesus was kind of a parenthesis, that, that national Israel played a role in salvation history uh, for, this, for this very important season. But at the same time, it was a parenthesis because if you read Galatians, Galatians says that the church and Jesus Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. That's why Paul said in Galatians, and that seed was Christ, mm. right? And so I personally, and, and by the way, man, I, I, as I've said many times in many contexts at Crossgate Church, uh, end times pr prophetic interpretation by and large is a secondary theological issue. So, you know, I, you know unity in the essentials, charity in the non-essentials. So if someone disagrees with me or, or, or I disagree with somebody on these secondary issues, man, it's, we're going to love each other. We're going to have unity. I would never want any type of, of end times scenario or, or interpretation to cause disunity. Uh, for me personally, 
I do believe that the church is God's main effort from now until the end of time and, 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 in, and into eternity. Uh, without, w- without saying that God has somehow jettisoned Israel altogether, but in that regard, I would definitely not call myself a dispensationalist, although as I told our folks yesterday, I'm neither. I mean, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be defined by any of the prepackaged isms. I'm going to go to the scripture and find out what they say for myself. Yeah, that's good. Thank you so much for that. Um, and thanks for the clarification, because that, that can be kind of confusing sometimes. Um, so let's let's talk about the specific prophecy that was given to Daniel in chapter 9. And you said that this was a three-dimensional prophecy that included Daniel's time, I mean, included the first coming of Christ, but then also the second coming of Christ. Um, obviously, the only thing um, now that on that timeline that is yet to happen is Christ's second coming. So, Phil, according to what you know from the Scriptures, is that something that could happen any time now? Could, could Jesus come back right now? I believe he could. Uh, now, again, if you, if you look at these two schools of thought, you realize that a dispensational perspective uh, that champions a pre-tribulational, pre, uh, pre-millennial secret rapture of the church, absolutely, they would tell you Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. And what I like about that is, among other things, over the years, that perspective has fueled urgency in God's people, mm-hmm. urgency, uh, which I think is needed in this day and age. Uh, if, if, you, if you went with a what's called a post-tribulational uh, rapture of the church, which in some, in some places is called historic premillennialism, then you, you would have to agree that, okay, no, there, there's definitely some things that need to happen. Jesus could not come back right now because there are certain... Uh, milestones that we have not yet met in God's prophetic calendar. I'm not prepared to say absolutely that we have not met those milestones. Uh, And so I certainly know that there's plenty of evidence in the New Testament that they were ready for Jesus to come back and fully expected him. So I, I, I find myself saying with absolute certainty that Jesus could come back at any time. And I don't know when. Yeah, well, what about those guys who claim that they figured out when Jesus is going to return? Is that is that something we can somehow figure out? Because honestly, there's been a lot of guys who, for obvious reasons, were wrong. Right? That's right. That's right. So uh, first of all, I even heard someone, and I can't remember who said this, but they said, you know, if some of these guys actually did guess, just randomly guess the date when Jesus was going to come back, God would change the date. <laughs> you know, just because Jesus said, no, nobody knows except the Father. And it's, it's not for us, even again, to paraphrase Jesus, it's not for us to, to determine all of these little nitinoid details. It, our job is to keep watching and keep working. If I read Matthew 24 and 25 correctly, that's exactly what we're supposed to do in the meantime. Keep watching for Jesus, be ready, and keep working. Be faithful, keep your hands on the plow, don't look back, make more and better disciples, and, and all of that. Uh, so, you know, again, you, you go back to some of these timelines that people have set, 1948. Uh, why, why, would some, why in the world would somebody write a book back in the 80s that say 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988? But that book was written, and clearly it was false, right? Well, one of the reasons is because they said, okay, national Israel reconstituted in 1948, and, uh, and according to the words of Jesus, if, if, if you read the, the, the Gospels in a certain way, through a certain lens, Jesus said, this generation will not pass away. In other words, the generation that saw the reconstitution of national Israel will not pass away. And they said, well, a generation is 40 years. Therefore, Jesus is coming back in 1988, baby. I mean, that, that's, that's the thinking that goes into this. Uh, honestly, I just, I mean, that, that's, not, that's not my school. My, that's not my school of thought. 
but but that's some, people are always going to take guesses, and uh, and I just I try to I try to put some distance between myself and them. Yeah, and that conversation's been going on since Jesus was here for the first that's time. Right. right? His disciples asked him, "Hey, are you are you going to establish the kingdom?" And like you said, he said, hey, that's not for you to know uh, the times or the seasons. Uh, stay focused on the things that I want you to be focused on. Right? That's right. So, um, but, you know, that does beg the question because, you know, there has been a lot of debate over the years regarding the timeline of Christ's return, um, a premillennial rapture of the church, a millennial reign, all these end times things. Are, are those details important for the church to wrestle with? Or should we just say, hey, it's going to be what it's going to be and... And leave, yeah, leave pa- yeah pan- pan-millennialism is all going to pan out in the end, right? Well, that So I have seen, over the years, I've seen the pendulum shift on this. So on the one hand, and, and this, is, this, this predates my salvation in 1990, and it certainly even predates my life, but in the, in the, the 1950s and 60s and 70s, and really into the, into the early 70s, you had this massive emphasis on the return of Jesus. If you're familiar at all with the history of the Jesus people or the Jesus movement, one of the key that started in California and swept across the country and, and was truly a revival of, of legitimate Christian faith. Uh, they, it's not, not without its problems, but nevertheless, the Jesus movement was something to be studied and admired. Okay, But one of the key things you see in the Jesus, in the Jesus movement was a huge emphasis on eschatology, that Jesus could return at any moment. Uh, this is when the late great planet Earth Hal Lindsey was published. I mean, there were several books. So in other words, the pendulum was swinging all the way to one end. Looking back, if you talk to some of those people in the Jesus movement, and I'm talking about people like Skip Heitzig and other people who were key players in this, they will tell you if they're honest, they got to the point where they didn't want to do anything. They just wanted to sit down and literally wait for Jesus to come. And and Jesus, of course, in Thessalonians, uh, Paul the Apostle warned against that kind of idleness in the face of kind of this, this euphoria over the return of Jesus, okay? So now, fast forward 50 years, and I feel like the pendulum has gone in the other direction. I mean, how often do you hear specifically in what I would call maybe a more contemporary church setting? I'm sure there's, you know, there's plenty of, you know, smaller King James only, you know, mom and pop Baptist churches out there. I love them. I'm not down on them, but I'm saying that's where you would probably hear the hardcore preaching on eschatology, and, and millennialism and so forth. But in most of our more contemporary churches today, you, you would be hard-pressed to find a message that's dealing with what we talked about this, you know, this, uh, this Sunday. So the pendulum has swung back in the other direction. I think what we've gained is we've probably gained a little more balanced approach to the Scripture. What we've lost is we've lost the urgency of knowing that Jesus is coming again. Yeah, and that, that leads us into this last point. And you mentioned that, you know, Obviously, these are important conversations to have, but the, the details of this, you know, can be secondary um, to what the main thing is. And I think the main thing is the fact that the Bible is very clear that Jesus is coming again. And so what implications should that reality have on the church and Christ followers today? Wow. Well, that's a great question because, I mean, first of all, it reminds us that this isn't all there is. You know, I mean, this world is not all we have. Jesus is coming again to establish something that's so much better than what we have now. You know, I mean, no matter how comfortable we may be on this earth, or maybe we're going through the worst, uh, you know, the worst experience anyone has ever has ever known on the earth in, in terms of challenges, health problems, deaths of loved ones, and so forth. I mean, Jesus is coming 
uh, to, to establish something that's so much better. But at the same time, you think about what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And there's some of that urgency, right? I mean, if, if, people, if people had a greater and deeper understanding that Jesus was coming again and they would stand before Jesus Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, how will that impact the life decisions they make today? I think it would make a big impact. Absolutely, and that that's a very sobering thought, and and honestly, one that I probably don't think about enough. Um, you know, I think I would do well to every day wake up and think, uh, you know, Jesus is coming again. So. Well, th- think about this. Okay, so at Crossgate Church, we say we want to make more and better disciples. One of the greatest motivations for me to be a better disciple, it's not the only motivation, but one of the greatest motivations is knowing that I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for for the life that He's given me. I mean, that drives me on to be a better disciple. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thinking about that, um, when, when I was younger, you know, because I grew up in one of those King James mm-hmm. um, churches that you mentioned where we did talk about the second coming a lot. Um, and when I was younger, it honestly, used to scare me. Um, I don't like, oh, know what, you know, it's the end times. Jesus is coming again. But as I've grown in in my faith and, and understand what that means, um, I, I almost look forward to that. Um, and, you know, like you said, I want to be more intentional. I want to have that urgency because I, I want um, I want to give back to the one who's given me everything. Yeah, well, think about it. What What's really the last statement in the entire Bible? Revelation 22, verse 20, even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, we are out of time for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Phil. Thank you so much for being here, and I appreciate your insight, and looking forward to next week. Yeah, let's go grab a McRib sandwich, Keith. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Welcome to Babylon podcast a ministry of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. To learn more, visit us on our website, crossgate.org, or on all of our social media channels.